Welcome to Halcyon Trailblazer, a podcast featuring the people working to bring Halcyon to life and the Forsyth County changemakers surrounding it. I'm your host, Adam Schiff. As one of the fastest growing counties in the nation, it's no wonder Forsyth features trailblazers that are homegrown as well as those who chose to make FOCO their stomping grounds. On today's show, We'll speak with two women who occupy opposite ends of that spectrum in the exchange founder Elizabeth Person and Nina and Lee owner Candace Sinisgali. Let's begin with our first trailblazer that was selected directly by the community as many of you responded to our call to action and nominated Elizabeth Person. A native of the Sunshine State who ultimately migrated north, Elizabeth has made a name for herself in Forsyth County through the exchange, a monthly meeting where women throughout the community come together and grow through an open exchange of ideas and best practices. We were lucky to find a window to chat with the extremely busy mother of eight, and we began our conversation by learning about her humble beginnings. I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. It's right between uh, Tampa and Orlando, the central part of the state. And I lived there pretty much my whole life until I went off to college in Greenville, South Carolina. I went to Furman University. Mm-hmm. And wasn't sure what I was going to do after that, but I moved back home and I worked in commercial real estate for a little bit with my dad before I ended up moving to Nashville for just about a year just outside of Nashville and Franklin and met my now husband who lived here. And I transplanted here about 20 years ago and uh, we've been living here ever since. What about family growing up? Brothers, sisters, big family, small family? Yep. I would have told you it was a big family at the time because there were I have three little brothers. Wow. And so there were four of us. <laughs> and so I kind of thought that that was a big family. Um, I was the youngest and the only girl, but uh, I have eight children, so four oh, is wow. not very big anymore. But at the time, it was a it was a big family. But yeah, I loved it. So three older brothers and being the the youngest of that group, how did that sort of shape you? I imagine a lot of bullying. Was there a lot of that, or I mean, how how did you deal with having? So many older brothers. Well, it made me tougher. That's for sure. I would guess it would. Yes, yeah. but also at the same time, my brothers uh, had a strict rule: they were not allowed to lay a hand on me. Hmm. But I could lay a hand on them oh, to wow. defend myself. Good so rules. What, yes, it was great <laughs> rules. I love my mom for that. Uh, but no, it was it was so fun growing up. I loved I loved being the youngest, and I loved having them as my protectors. And they really did look after me. We're close today. So coming to Atlanta and this area, what what was the genesis for ending up here? Well, when I met my husband, we met on a blind date. And like Mm. I said, I was living in Nashville and I uh, met him on a blind date and he grew up in Dunwoody and uh, funny enough, also went to Furman, but graduated before I got there. Mm. So I never met him and uh, did not know him until the blind date. And it was just one of those instant connections. And we were engaged three months later. Wow. And married three months after that. And oh, man. Yeah, he was working in Dunwoody. But since we've been married, he opened up his own practice in Alpharetta. And so we, we knew that we would be here permanently. So once you got to Atlanta, what were you doing career-wise? And how quickly did your marriage affect that? Well, when we uh, got married, we were planning on waiting a little while to have children just Mm -hmm. because I had never lived here before and I wanted to get my feet wet and see what I was going to do here in Atlanta. But um, surprisingly uh, enough, we got pregnant within our first month of marriage and had our first child at 11. I guess he was um, when he was born, we've been married 11 months (laughs) and I was very, very, very sick during my pregnancy. And so basically I did nothing but just try to stay alive um, during that nine months and had him and then literally the rest is history. We've pretty much had a baby every single year after that. So work was wow. never really an option with outside the home, mm-hmm. just with eight children 
in 11 years. And so I didn't do anything outside the home where I got paid, but I got very, very involved in this community, mm-hmm. whether it was schools, whether it was politics, whether it was just uh, community activism, my church. I mean, I was involved in a lot. I had my hand in lots of different baskets. At, at what point do you get involved in women's advocacy? When did that become a passion of yours? And, and how did you figure out the right way to, to pursue that? So I don't know that I would necessarily call it women's advocacy. I mean, yes, I am definitely for women. I'm for all people, actually. But uh, I have just realized that my time here with uh, moms, with women that are working, we're just tired. And I I read a stat one time that said 82% of all women are stressed out. And 88% of women wish that they could do something, one thing better in their life. And I started thinking about that. Why is that? Why why are we stressed out? Why are we exhausted? Why are we Mm -hmm. focusing so much? many um, things on our children, on the outside world, our workplace, other people, and then inside we're drowning. And so I just wanted to offer a forum for women to be able to figure out like, hey, how can you pour into yourselves? Not so you can hoard it, but so then that you can be a better person and be the best version of yourself that you can be. Because I find that when women are the best version of them that they are, then they can offer the better version of themselves to those around them. So how does that form into the exchange? How do you go from having this idea of I want to make a difference to making it a, a tangible plan. So we meet once a month. We just created this forum that's literally for all women, single, divorced, married, not married, kids, no kids, working, no, not working. Any any woman is welcome. And we come once a month and we gather and we explore a different topic each month. We use that to enrich our minds. And then we hopefully, and the most important part, is engage it in the next best step of our lives, whatever that might look like for each woman. In what ways have you seen that have the biggest impact? I mean, what, what individual stories have you been touched by in terms of people who've gained something from working with the exchange? Well, I've seen a lot, but unfortunately not as much as I would like to because I don't know a lot of the women that come. So I only get to hear the stories of those that have a way to contact me or reach out to me. But it has been overwhelming just to see women that begin to live uh, lives of purpose and with intention, whereas before it's kind of like Groundhog's Day and they just get up and do the next thing, Mm -hmm. go to bed exhausted, get up, start all over again on repeat. But women started realizing, wait, you know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here on this earth. So I want to be intentional with what I do have. And so... They would go out and create their business they always want to create it. Um, I had one lady said that she and her best friend haven't spoken in 12 years, and they restored a relationship. We've seen all kinds of life change, and it just starts with one intentional shift, and then it's like a trickle effect where it impacts other relationships and other areas in their lives. So let's just, from a, from a bare-bones perspective, tell me about one of these workshops. Okay. When, when people come in, what is it like? What, what kind of experience are we talking about? So women, we start at seven o'clock. It's always the third Thursday of the month. We start at seven and from about seven to seven thirty, we have all kinds of, um, wine, beer, water, appetizers, whatever you want. People come in, they find a table. They're in, it's a round table format Mm -hmm. and we might have questions on the table that they can just engage with. If they want to sit there quietly, they can. And about seven thirty, we start our so called program and, uh, either I will speak on a certain topic. I call myself the um, self proclaimed cliff note speaker because I'll read a book. And then I just offer it. You know, it's all recycled material. I'm not creating it. This is the secret, everybody, in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. So I'm the cliff note speaker. But if it needs to be that way, I'll bring in somebody else and we'll interview some different women, um, different topics that we've had before that they're maybe a little bit more of an expert on. Mm -hmm. And I'll bring them in and interview them. And we end right at nine o'clock. And we always try to leave them with something that they can actively do once they walk out those doors. It's really not what happens that night. It's what are they going to do with it once they leave? Where does your 
inspiration come from? And what, what are you passionate about and what informs that? Uh, well, I'm definitely a person of faith and that has grounded me, but this is not a, a faith-based program at, by any means, but that that's a huge part of my life. And so everything kind of runs through that grid, but really it's books that I read. It's podcasts that I listen to. Uh, it's a mentor that I have. I mean, she's taught me that you can't give what you don't have. And so if I'm not in possession of an orange, I cannot give you an orange. Mm-hmm. So if I'm trying to offer you some type of material or information that I've read, if I haven't done the work and practice it myself, then I'm not going to be able to be effective and offering it and inspiring other women with them. What are some recommendations? I mean, things that have really affected you recently, whether it's a book, a podcast, some of the things you're, you're talking about. Well, I was just this summer in particular getting ready for this this upcoming season that we have. We run August through May. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but mm-hmm. um, it's a really cool. It's very, very, very old, but it's a personality profiling of sorts where there's seven mm-hmm. different numbers. And The Road Back to You is the book, but there are hundreds of podcasts. And so I've been knee deep in that and I've been researching and reading that helps me understand relationships with my kids with my husband with people I interact with people I work with that's a big one Uh, another one that I've been studying is the more of less and it's the uh, a guy by the name of Joshua Becker and it's just a simplification how we just are overindulged in this area and affluence and just to scale back and simplify Um, lots of different lots of different topics there's no one topic everyone's different and they don't Mm -hmm. build on each other but they're all unique and individual how they can just benefit women in general. I'm curious, you have eight kids, which is stunning. You're running an organization, you're trying to you're trying to help a lot of people who you don't know while also taking care of ones that you you do know very well. How do you balance all of that because it sounds both overwhelming and exhausting and, and maybe another adjective I can't even think of at the moment. <laughs> That's right. It, it can be overwhelming and exhausting. The first thing I'll say, I have an amazing team um, of women that that handle so many things for me that I couldn't even begin to know that I'd not know, you know, like I don't know to handle certain things and they take care of that for me. But mm-hmm. I realized that I had to start living my best yes. And I was doing a lot of things that maybe weren't my best yes. So I had to let some things go. And clearly my family and the eight kids just with their ages, they're all stair step. And uh, they're, my family is my first priority. But outside of that, I really believe that I was born and created to do this. I believe it's something that's inside of me that needs to come out. And inspiring women is, is what I want to do. So where I spend my extra time, it's not like it's work because I'm passionate passionate about it. I'm excited about it. And, and I'm more frustrated when I'm not doing what I was created to do than when I am, even if it's exhausting. What, what are the age ranges of the eight kids? I'll tell you their ages just because that's where people go, wait, what? But they're 19. I'm, I'm already saying what, so <laughs> yes. I'm curious what's coming next. <laughs> yes. 19, 18, 17, 15, 14, 13, 11, and nine next week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a lot, but wow. it's super fun. It's super wow. fun. So that's, I mean, so that means you've got a, a group of them that are in middle school, you have some going through these stages of high school. You have ones that are out that are yeah. college, I assume. I've got two. I have two at UGA. This year wow. will be two at UGA, three in high school, two in middle school, and finally, for the first time ever, just one in elementary school. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's a lot, but it's fun. People always ask if we're, you know, are you Catholic? Are you Mormon? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, we just love kids. We just love them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious then, I mean, how does that, does that tie in to your overall purpose? When you say that you, you were put here to lead this movement and create change, does that also include having having kids to go out there and, and help spread it, or are those disconnected in, in your mind? Um, well, I would say y- yes, it's not either or, it's uh, and and both, I would think, because obviously right now my, my focus as far as inspiring is to women. However, um, 
I'm doing that because I really do feel like that is what I was called to do. And so hopefully by me doing what I was called to do, then that and frees up my children to take whatever path it is that that they feel like that's why they were put here on this earth. Mm-hmm. And so for some of them, it might be, you know, kind of following in my footsteps. But hopefully, and my husband and I would say the same, we raise them so that they would be able to go out and they're not just hoarding whatever they've learned or gained or have, but that they can do that to help those around them in whatever mm-hmm. field or occupation that they might choose. So I, I have a few more questions about this. Yes, go ahead. What's the breakdown between boys and girls of, of the eight? Well, funny enough, we prayed for eight boys um, and we got four boys and four girls. Wow. So it's an even split. <laughs> even split. Yep. Oh even split. I know that the girls are a lot of fun, but they also add a lot more drama, um, mm-hmm. a lot more uh, cost <laughs> and <laughs> and um, they can be a little emotional at times. Those middle school years have been hard for right. sure. What, what have you learned even as, as a parent from number one to number eight? Because I always like to ask people, well, how have they grown from certain experiences? I mean, a lot of your experience has been having this huge family. So how have you grown and changed from the experiences that, that they've given you? Well, I've had to let go of a lot of things that don't matter. You know, when I had one, two, and three children, I mean, they were, I think when I had my third, my first one was um, just had turned two, was 24 months, and I had 11-month-old, and I had a newborn. And so it's basically like three babies, you know. And at that time, I could control a lot of things, when they slept, when they mm-hmm. didn't, when they ate. But as they got older and as I got outnumbered, I just realized that, oh, my goodness, I'm not in control of this. Like, I can do the best thing, you know, the best that I can, right. but I am not ultimately in control. And so I've had to let go of a lot of things that don't matter that at one time I thought that did. And we had to just hone it in on three things that we really wanted to raise our kids to be. And that was to be resourceful, respectful and responsible. And so outside of that, we just kind of let it go. That is amazing. And I guess that's I mean, is that the tip you give? I'm sure you get asked parenting questions all the time. Yes, we do. Everywhere we go. That's what most people, they want the, They want the exchange to be about parenting just because they hear I have eight kids. Right. And I'm like, although I'm grateful I have eight kids and I love them with all my heart, that's still just one sliver of my life. Right. It's not my life. Is there time for additional slivers or is it, is it family, the exchange, or are there other things that you also try to give your time to when possible? Oh, for sure. Because I feel like every day I wake up afresh and go, okay, what, what's for me to do today? What's mm-hmm. mine to do today? And if it's spend time with somebody that needs me, it might be that. Last night after a long, hard day, it was for me to get on the lake by myself and go fishing. So, I mean, it's whatever feeds my soul so mm-hmm. that then I can then pour out to others um, around me. To have eight kids and enjoy fishing shows an incredible amount of patience across the wide spectrum. That- <laughs> I had never heard it like I, that, I, I mean, but you're you said, right. That was my first thought. If you're patient enough to have eight kids, you must be able to enjoy fishing. Yes, that's what el- interesting. What else goes into your, your free time when you do have it? Well, people are what feed me. And so if I could grab a lunch or a coffee with a friend, that that's really what feeds me. And just to be with them, to learn from them, to engage with them, that's hands down my favorite thing. But I used to play a lot of tennis. I got some tennis elbow mm-hmm. and, and some other things, but um, recently took up running and really just tried to spend more time on myself just because I realized how it's so easy to give and give and give and give and all of a sudden go to bed drained at night. So mm-hmm. I just feel like a better version of myself when I'm taking care of myself and then I can give it out to those things that are needed that day. Bringing things back to the exchange, in terms of from where you started to where you are now, what have you seen in, in terms of growth? How long have you been doing this and, and how has it grown over that period of time? 
Oh, it's amazing. When we first started, uh, my vision was really just to, to have it in my house, in my family room, maybe sit by the fire with a glass of wine and discuss something deep and, yeah. and have some, um, which is actually how we came up with the name Exchange. It's just we were going to exchange ideas and learn from one another That's and cool. grow from one another with the subtitle being Explore, Enrich, Engage. And uh, as fate would have it, that night that we were going to have it, there was an ice storm here in Forsyth County and school was canceled mm-hmm. and a lot of people's power were out. And so I thought, oh, nobody's going to show up. And 125 women showed up. Wow. And instantly, right off the bat, I knew that there was a need here in our community. Women were wanting to be better today than they were yesterday. Not that they need to be anymore or do anymore, but just to, to improve one little step that they could do to be intentional with their lives. And since that time, we've outgrown um, three locations. We're in our fourth location right mm-hmm. now. And so I know that there's definitely a need because we, t- as the word spreads, we continue to grow. And, and women are showing up and making a difference in their lives and then their families' lives and the workplace. So. This is 125 people showed up at your house. Well, and with no power. Well, we 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 did have power, but that <laughs> night that night we Still. ended up yes, no, we ended up switching at last minute okay. because I just thought, you know, we have no way of knowing and and then maybe women wouldn't want to share if we had kids running around right. or something like that. Right, so right. we switched it to a clubhouse in a local community right by here. Mm-hmm. And um so yeah, so then we moved from there, you know, two other times and like I said now we're in our fourth place. What do you see as the future? of this organization? Where do you want to see it grow and go from where it is now? Well, that's an interesting question because we've been pondering that. My my team has been pondering that a lot over the summer. And I have a tendency to just play small and, and play safe because it's just easier. You don't have mm-hmm. a big target on your back. But we've realized in Forsyth County, which we love and we love this whole community and and we've realized there's so many women that we have not even tapped into yet that we have not been able to reach. People are still, even though it's been around three, four years, wait, what's the exchange? Mm-hmm. And so we really, our goal this year is to fill Lanier Tech. And that's where we meet. It's a conference center up here. And just to grow it, to, to get the word out to as many people as possible. Where could it go from there? I mean, how far do you think beyond that in terms of this message and, and where it can be amplified most effectively? Well, I think there's there's no limit, really, because we've had people in other states, other cities say, hey, I want to bring the exchange there. And I'm like, great, do it, because I want women everywhere to live intentionally. We find that when they're intentional in one area of their life, all of a sudden it will trickle over and we see them being, okay, now all of a sudden it was, I was focusing on my physical body, getting in better health. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's a little bit better emotional health, you know, things like that. Right. Uh, but we've been approached podcasts, things like that. Um, just so digital expansion would be a, a possibility as well. So I said, there's a lot you can do to help expand it too within this community. And you just touched on this, but I'm curious if, if you could expand on it. What what about Forsyth County are you so passionate about? Why is this the right community to, to spread this message and get it to, to every corner? Well, I believe it starts wherever you are. Like wherever you are is where you need to make a difference. And I've lived here about 21 years. And I think it's like anything uh, with a relationship. When you spend time with someone, you start to build trust with them. When you build trust with them, you start to have a history with them. And, and it's the same with the community. As I've you know, been in this community for so long and spent so much time here. I started to love the people here. I started to build a history with them. I started to trust them, interact with them. And I realized that this community is made up of some unbelievable people. We recently had a tragic incident where a boy was in a in an automobile accident. And to watch this community who didn't even know him just rally around this family, it is unbelievable. But the people that I've spent time with are just amazing. In terms of just the energy in Forsyth County at the moment, and I know a lot of it is because of Halcyon and having this huge development that people are so excited about, can you just talk about the way you've seen 
Forsyth County, the perception of the county, and, and the way that people are now starting to see, well, there's there's a lot going on a little bit north of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Um, Forsyth County has some some amazing things happening. I don't know the exact stat. I'm not very good with numbers, but I think we're the third fastest growing uh, county in, in the country right now. Wow. I know our school systems are. We're, I mean, busting at the seams. And people are moving here, obviously, because it's a great place to live, work, and play. And I think they see Forsyth County as finally catching up to where they need to be. And, mm-hmm. and we're offering so many different things that they haven't offered for a while. And now the people are putting in their time and in their money and their investment and into this place and it's really become an amazing place to live. So it's funny. I was with my aunt last week who has four kids, which makes her the biggest in the family by far. And her youngest is going to college in two weeks and she's dreading that day. What do you imagine it'll be like on the day that number eight leaves the house? What what will that be like for you and and how will your life change? Well, I might have a party. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, My aunt said not to contact her because she'll be inconsolable. So slightly different approach there. Well, yes, it is a different (laughs) approach. But I and I was actually just had lunch with someone today and we were talking about this very thing. And I um, I mean, I love my children. Don't get me wrong. And I will miss them for for different reasons for each of them. Our youngest's name is Finley and we call her Finley Finale because, you know, she's she is she's (laughs) it. We're done. We're done. But the way we view parents parenting is that we are stewards of them for 18 years. And once they go off, it's like we've done our job and and we're grateful because honestly, if if we hadn't hadn't done our job and for whatever reason they were not able to go to go off to college and mm-hmm. live independent lives, then I wouldn't I wouldn't feel so happy about it. But I am happy for them to spread their wings and go off. And we heard it recently said this way, and so that's the way my husband and I view it. But instead of uh, looking forward to empty nest, we're just going to call it open nest <laughs> because then we're going to have more time and more freedom to spend in other areas that we might not have had for these last 25, 30 years. Yeah. And you've talked about your, your mentor a few times as well. Can you tell us more about that individual, how you met them, and, and what function that they, they serve now for you? I met her about four years ago. Her name is uh, Vicki Fraker, and she actually runs a nonprofit called Revival 356. And it's a little further, believe it or not, further north than, than we are, <laughs> uh, maybe northwest, but in Ballground, Georgia. And uh, she's a life coach, and she and I couldn't be any more opposite. And I think that's one of the things I love about her so much is she's not trying to conform me or mold me. She's just trying to give me the, the freedom to be who, who I was created to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love it. I've, I can't tell you the amount of growth that I've had in the last three, three years being with her. Well, thank you again so much for, for sharing your story with us. And tell people how they can find out more about The Exchange after, after listening to this here. Yep. It's theexchangeus.org uh, is, our, is our website. And then we also can be found on Facebook and Instagram, but it's The Exchange. Awesome. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Some people are seemingly born knowing what they want to do in life, and Candace Sinisgali certainly falls into that category. Though she wasn't born in Georgia, her entire childhood was spent in Alpharetta, where she fostered her own sense of creativity, learned a love of clothing for mother, and dreamed about one day opening her own boutique. That desire will soon become reality as Nina and Lee, a shop Candace named after her mom's and her middle names, is set to debut soon at Halcyon. We caught up with Candace to find out how she got to this point and what will make her boutique unique. So I was born in Long Island, New York. Um, parents grew up there, but only stayed till I was like six months old, and then we moved down to Florida. Stayed there for a little while, but eventually settled in Alpharetta. Um, so when I was three, we moved there and grew up there, spent my childhood there. 
Um, my parents are still in the same house that I grew up in. Wow. And then I have an older brother and sister. My brother's actually out in San Francisco now, but my sister is still in Roswell area. And I am in Buckhead, so not too far from where Halcyon will be. I mean, what happened next for you? You know, before yeah. we get to where you're at now, how did you get from there to the point you are today? Right. Um, so, yeah, we grew up in Alpharetta, stayed there until I went to college. Um, I went to Clemson. Mm. So that was a whole Good time to be a, a Clemson, Clemson Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. I know. Right. Um, unfortunately, didn't get to see that while I was in school. But Hate it when that happens. Yeah. yeah. But now it's good. Um, so, yeah, went to Clemson and had a totally different experience there. Got to learn a lot and then moved back to Atlanta area and have been here since. After you graduate, you move back here. Yep. What are you thinking at that point that you're going to do? What, are, what what path do you want to follow in terms of your career? Yeah, so I studied business management while I was at Clemson and always knew I wanted to have a career in retail. I had worked various jobs in high school and continued to do that in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew the end goal was to open my own store, but I still had a lot of work to get there. So continued working in retail, and my most recent job was at a local woman's boutique. Um, So she owned her own store, and I got to work kind of hand-in-hand with her Mm -hmm. and see how she operated it, and that was what really got me to where I am today. Which part of it hit you first, the idea that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or that you wanted to have a clothing store, and that led you to being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think it was having my own clothing store. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that goal when I was really young, before I even knew what went into it and how much work it would be. Right. Um, so that was the first start of it. But I think when I was working at that store and I was getting to see this entrepreneur kind of do her own thing, and I was lucky that I was getting to help her and learn along the way. Mm-hmm. But eventually I think it hit me like, this is what I want to do. How do I make this happen? How do I be the one who's making these decisions? Um, So, yeah, started with the dream of having my own store and having a clothing store, but then hit me, I think, when I was really getting to see what all it would involve. What surprised you about that? Because I imagine, especially if you take your childhood idea of what it's like to have a store, like, oh, I'm just going to have great clothes and everyone's going to buy them and make a ton of money. And then the realities of it, I'm sure, are very different. So what were some of the things that you learned by working under other people in clothing stores? Uh, I think how many different roles there are that go into it. You kind of think about all the fun parts, mm-hmm. um, buying inventory and decorating the store and all of that. But there, shows. All right. That, yeah, yeah. The apparel shows. But there's a lot of behind the scenes work that you don't get to see. Um, a lot of stuff that isn't nearly as fun, you know, finances, money management, mm-hmm. things that I'm not great at. <laughs> um, so I think just how many different hats you have to wear as a business owner was something that I never really thought of when I just had this goal. Mm-hmm. And in learning that, what have you found has been the the toughest part of making that transition to running your own store? I think being okay with delegating different tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned what I'm really good at, and that is the creative aspect of it. Um, So like I said, the buying, the social media, all of that stuff is what I like to be in charge of um, and what I'm good at. So I think I like to be in kind of control of everything, but I learned there are people who can do some of these things better than me. And... If it takes me, you know, two weeks to do something, it might take someone who's better at it an hour. And it just Mm -hmm. makes more sense sometimes to give work away to people that can do it better. And I've had to learn to be okay with that. One of the things we've done on this podcast is talk to multiple business owners who are going to be in-house, Jan. And a lot of them fall into the category of retailers who are fighting against 
this giant monster that is online shopping, right. the Amazons of the world that have, have made it much more difficult to compete. So I'm curious from your standpoint, as you're preparing to, to open your doors, how do you combat the effects of online shopping and, and the way that that's really eaten in to brick and mortar retail? Right. Um, so I will have an online aspect to my store as well, um, but I am focusing on the in-store experience. And I think you just have to set yourself apart um, with the online era being just like massive. Um, you have to get people out of the house, out of this online shopping. And um, I think it just comes back to being really experience based. So customer service is huge to me. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that people walk into the store and feel immediately welcome, um, you know, from just greeting them and then styling them putting them in outfits that they wouldn't just click away and buy themselves, mm -hmm. um, serving drinks while they shop, and just making it a really fun experience that's different than clicking away by yourself at home. Mm -hmm. On top of that, I think my inventory is going to be really special because I'm the owner and the buyer. I'm handpicking these items myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make sure that I'm finding different unique things that you know, you're not going to find on Amazon or you're not going to find in every other store. So I think that's another thing that will set me apart. Do you almost have to have that online element? Because I think the other other entrepreneurs we've talked to who have retailers now are also going to have that kind of right. two-way approach there. Is that just necessary in, in today's market? I think so. Um, you know, there's different ways to do it, whether it's, you know, you don't have a website, but you have Instagram and you mm -hmm. sell solely through that or Facebook. However you do it, I think there has to be a way for people to buy if they can't make it into your store. Um, my brick and mortar will be my main focus, but I want to supplement it with online. I want people to be able to, even if like a mom comes in and she says, oh, my daughter's in college in Alabama. Can she shop your store? I love your stuff. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to give them an option if they can't shop in store. When you looked at, at opening your own store, why this community? Why Halcyon specifically? Did it make sense for you? So I think it goes back to the experience based. When I was looking at opening my store, I knew I didn't want to be in like the traditional shopping mall. It had to be something different. The last store I worked at was in Avalon. Mm -hmm. um, so near Halcyon, but similar concept. So I wanted to make sure there was plenty of options and activities for people to do, not just shopping. And Halcyon has that. Um, you know, they're going to have the dining, the shopping, and then the outdoor space and connected to the Greenway, tons of different ways to spend your day that will attract people to the center. So it doesn't just have to be one destination. Mm -hmm. So another part of Halcyon that's really important is that connection to the community and, and especially community service. So I know an organization that, that you're passionate about is Girls on the Run. Can you tell us about that organization and why it's so important to you? Yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with it, Girls on the Run is a nonprofit organization um, run on volunteers and typically in low-income areas. So they go into elementary schools, and from third to fifth graders are welcome to the program, and we basically meet twice a week. And while it's based on running, there's also a curriculum to it. So we have lessons each time, and basically the organization wants to empower these young girls. Um, they teach them their worth and their potential and kind of instill confidence in them. And it's a really great thing to watch. Um, you know, you see the girls come in at the beginning of the season and they might be shy or timid, but you watch them grow each practice and each lesson. And by the end of it, we do a 5K at the end mm -hmm. of the season um, to kind of throw running back in there. And they're just different girls. So it's a really great process to watch. So are you a runner as well? That's Is that your, your yeah. thing? Yeah, I like running. Yep. What Love exercising. Of, like, long distance runner, short distance? Um, so I do Orange Theory. So okay. that's like a little bit more just like of a high intensity, shorter runs. Mm -hmm. But I also do love running outside and going on those longer runs. 
So both options. Longest run you've completed? Have you done a, a 10K? Have you done a half? No. Have you done a full? No. 10K is my goal. So okay. I've done a few 5Ks and then I've done, you know, I've gone on like little 10K runs by myself, but mm-hmm. not actually in a race. So that's on my list. That's on my list as well. I got to get to a 10K. Yeah. It's a big step though. You got to get from like four miles as you can do that. But then you go to right. 6.2. It's like, okay. It's a big difference. That's stretching it. Yep. That takes a lot more effort. I know. Yeah. My goal would be to complete it and not walk. So not walking, it's going to okay. take some time for me to be able to do that. So you have to go visit Kim at Totally Running and Walking. Yes. And that's why you guys will t- get, right. help take care of each other. Yeah. She can fit me for the right yeah, exactly. shoes. Yep. Exactly. Well, that ties perfectly into my next question. There's so many female-led businesses at Halcyon and all those entrepreneurs, many of them for the first time like, like you are. How excited are you to have kind of that ecosystem to live in where you have these other resources and people you can lean on who are going through some of the things you're going through and also some have already been there and and can help you as well? Right. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's a great group to be a part of. Um, I've gotten to meet with and talk to some of the other women entrepreneurs and um, I'm really proud to be one of them and to see how many others there are. So I'm excited that I have them to lean on, but also um, we can work together and Mm -hmm. do events together. And I just want to support their business, too. What are some of the ideas for collaboration? I'm sure you've had a a bunch of them. And maybe even now as we're talking about, there's more popping in. But what do you you see that looking like as you move forward? Um, I think doing events together where, you know, if they come and shop in my store, I may give them. 15% 15% off to go grab a coffee at a coffee shop in mm. Halcyon. Um, little promotions like that. But also maybe Halcyon will put on an event where they do like ladies night out and they have a little map where they have to stop at all the women's boutiques mm. um, and get some kind of prize for doing that and shopping at each store. Um, I think there are a bunch of different ways we could work together that I'm looking forward to planning. So we talked about running is not what outside of what you do day to day. What are some other things you enjoy doing when you're not trying to open your own store for the first time? Right. Um, so I have family and friends, luckily, nearby. I mentioned my sister lives around here. So she has two little boys. I have two nephews mm. that I love to spend time with. Um, I like traveling. I've been trying to fit in some vacations, see new places before. I don't really have time <laughs> to do so. Um, running, like we mentioned. And then I love shopping. Um not not surprising. Right. Guess, not right? surprising. But yeah, spending my time kind of just walking through different shopping malls and um, seeing what other people are doing is a good pastime of mine. What kind of traveling are we talking about? Are you talking about going overseas? Are you trying to check every box of the 50 states? No. So yeah, not 50 states, but I went to Italy in April, oh, wow. um, went to Florence and saw the Amalfi Coast for the first time. Hmm. Um, so that was beautiful vacation um, and definitely something I probably won't have time for coming up. Um, so yeah, I did that in April and then just a few other little vacations and going on trips with friends. In terms of community engagement, there's, there's a lot of ways you can accomplish that. And you've done something kind of unique as well to, to connect Nina and Lee back to Forsyth County. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done with South Forsyth High School? Yeah. So they have a fashion marketing class at South Forsyth High School where they do a project each semester on a local boutique or restaurant or just someone in the community. And I was lucky enough that they picked me to do a project on this semester. So I went in and talked to the group of girls. There was two class periods, kind of told them about my store, about Halcyon, and gave them a background. And their ideas were for the grand opening. Mm -hmm. Um, So grand opening base, social media, marketing ideas, they came up with all of that and presented it to me at the end of the semester. Um, And it was a great way for me to, of course, learn from them. I mean, they're bigger on social media than I am. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn a ton from them and also just reach them and tell them about Nina and Lee and about Halcyon and reach an audience that I hadn't gotten to yet. 
as you interacted with them, I wonder if there's anything you thought of to share with them that you wish someone had shared with you when you were in their shoes or any nuggets or tidbits that you, you shared that you're like, wow, I really wish someone had told me this back when I was their age. I think just maybe I showed them that you can follow your dream and your passion. You know, I had told them that when I was their age, I had this goal and that was what I wanted to do. Um, And, you know, opening your own boutique or being in the fashion world sometimes isn't like traditional. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I kind of showed them I went to school and I still studied for what I'm doing, but I kept my passion along the way. Um, So I think hopefully since they are in fashion marketing class, it's something they're interested in. They saw that they could go with it. Um, and follow what they're interested in. So tying that back to just the, the community at large in Forsyth County, can you talk about the way that, that they've embraced you as you've gone through these stages of opening Nina and Lee and, and what you hope to bring to the community once it all comes together? Yeah, so I grew up pretty much in Alfreda area. Um, so it's really, it's home to me. It's my childhood and everything. But I now live in Buckhead. So not too far, but I think to me, Forsyth County is kind of an escape from the hustle bustle Mm -hmm. of Atlanta and the big city. Um, And it's way more of like a family friendly community. And it has just a real sense of community that I'm excited to be a part of. And I think it's really inclusive and um, somewhere that welcomes everyone. So it's a great group to be a part of. So as we look toward the opening, which is coming very, very quickly, what has to happen between now and then? What, What are the final stages of opening Nina and Lee? Yeah, so we're getting ready to get our keys turned over to us and to be able to start building out the store exactly as we've envisioned. So that's coming up pretty quick. And then I also have to finalize all of my inventory for the store. So all of my buying I need to get done. Um, And that's been kind of tricky timing wise. So trying to get that done, you know, between the Atlanta show and maybe going out to L.A. for some buying trips. Um, I also have to do hiring. Um, So looking around for girls that want to work in the store and... Um, getting our website all set up. Just a lot of loose ends that we need to tie up to get fully ready for the store. And when you look for people to come work in the store, are you you're essentially looking at people like yourself, maybe younger that have the, the same dreams that you had? I think so, yeah. I definitely want to hire people that are passionate about retail um, because they have to be able to you know, sell our items and mm-hmm. talk to people. So definitely girls that are interested in fashion and that it's something that's important to them because they'll do the best job at it. Well, Candice, thank you so much for spending some time with us and good luck on the impending opening of Nina and Lee. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for our latest show. If you think you may know a trailblazer inside the community, leave us a note on Facebook and you might just hear him on a future episode. So until next month, I'm Adam Schick, wishing you all the best as you blaze your own trail.